Lewis, 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 Mom, 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 Mommy, 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 Mama, 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 Ma, 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 Mom, 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 Mommy, Mommy, Mama, Mama, Mama. What? Hi. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Because being a mom is hard, isn't it? Come on. Woo. You know, sometimes I think that we tell ourselves a story that we were easier to raise than our kiddos are easier to raise if you have kiddos. But I bet you if your moms were here today and we got them telling stories, they might say something a little bit different. Like I know my mom would because my mom had to wade her way through three high energy, rambunctious, crazy, stinky most of the time and hungry all of the time, like eat her out of house and home, hungry boys before she got her little precious little baby girl, my younger sister, 11 years younger than me, 13 years younger than my older brother. And we were a wild bunch, very competitive, very out of control at times, especially in the summers. Parents, you do know summer's coming, right? They're coming home. (laughs) They're going to be there. Did you notice that our summers are shrinking? We thought it was the teachers in the school districts. I have another theory. I don't know. But my mom, she, she was fantastic, and we were wild. We'd run around the house, and sometimes we would get in fights because my older brother has the spiritual gift of teasing, and he would tease the rest of us, and we would get so angry and frustrated. I remember when I was 20 years old, I went back home. I had moved out, and I was helping my mom pack up and move because they were selling the family home, and it was like this kind of journey down memory lane, and I took this picture off of the wall, and when I took the picture off of the wall, I looked on the wall, and there was a huge dent in the wall in the shape of a toy dog. And I thought to myself, what is that? And then I remembered, and my mom was standing next to me. She's like, when did that happen? I go, oh, I remember when that happened. It was this moment. I don't remember what we were fighting about, but I remember picking up this toy dog and hurling it at my brother's head. And he dodged out of the way, and it lodged itself into the wall. And then we all panicked because we knew mom and dad were coming home. And if one person got in trouble, everybody was in trouble. And so the four of us kind of huddled up and said, oh, I know, there's a picture right next to it. We'll just move that picture right next to it. And we were good, yeah, for about 10 years. And then, you know, we we, we confessed and it was all fun after that. But being a mom is messy and it's confusing at times and it's exhausting most of the time. And I just think it's good that we pause And we just recognize how amazing moms are. And I I don't know, I don't know a better picture on earth of God's amazing grace than watching a mom love her child. There's nothing like that. You know, Jesus loved his mom to the end. I mean, literally to the end, he's hanging on the cross, he's dying on the cross, and there's Mary at the foot of the cross, and there next to Mary is his good friend and follower, John. And John, about 50 to 60 years later, he remembers this moment, and he actually includes this moment in his story that he's writing, the gospel. 
And this is what he says. Now near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that was a way that John used to talk about himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't that a fantastic way to think about yourself? It's awesome. He said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Adoption at the crucifixion. The one who is the exact representation of the Father, Hebrews 1 tells us. Colossians says that Jesus is the image of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And here's Jesus in action, up close and personal, honoring mom all the way to the end. It's a beautiful beautiful picture. It's also a very strange way to tell the story if you want people to believe what you're saying. It's actually a subversive and provocative way to write the story if you're John and you're writing this gospel in the ancient world because the women were there at the foot of the cross Mary had taken care of Jesus his whole life. It was the women that followed Jesus that were a part of his core leadership team that actually provided financially for Jesus and his disciples. In Rockstar Jesus' phase, when the crowds were following him, the women were there. When the crowds left and deserted Jesus in John chapter 6, The women continued to follow. John bookends his gospel with Mary at the beginning at a wedding, and now she's at the cross. And it was the women who were at the empty tomb first. They were the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. If you're telling a story in the ancient world and you want people to believe you, you don't tell it that way. And we know that John in chapter 20 says, I want you to believe so that believing in his name, you might have life, abundant life, the kind of life that John was talking about, the the life that you were always meant for. In the ancient world, women were considered untrustworthy. They were not even allowed to testify in a court of law. Oftentimes they were dismissed, they were ignored. At best, they were considered to have lower status, and at worst, they suffered incredible abuses. 2,000 years later, much has changed, and yet we know much has not. One of the ways that we can honor someone is is when we just acknowledge how difficult something is. And it is difficult to be a girl. It is difficult in our world to be a woman. And motherhood is difficult. We honor as we acknowledge that. Women have it hard. 
And yet, surprising to some, God often described himself in feminine and even motherly terms. Did you know this? Throughout the scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 66, the people of Jerusalem are are in agony. They're grieving because their whole culture and their whole society is being destroyed. It's falling apart all around them. The northern kingdom's gone and the southern kingdom's on the brink of disaster and they know where things are headed. And God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Jesus picks up on this. At one point, he's walking up to the city of Jerusalem And he weeps over Jerusalem. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. At the very beginning of the story, I've been going back to the beginning because I, I, we have this, this beginning to the scriptures in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and they are these archetypal type stories. And when we can sort of wrap our minds around those a little bit, it, it's, it sort of makes the rest of the story make more sense. And at the very beginning, God creates humanity, and it says that he creates a helper suitable for the man. And oftentimes in church history, in certain streams of Christianity, people will say, oh, well, it's the helper. Like, 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 here's the guy and like, like the helper, like come along and, and like you do the things I don't want to do. Like, like you help me. But if you look at the Hebrew behind the text, the word azir, it means something much, much more than just helper. It means to rescue. It means to to save. It means to be powerful for somebody else. And actually, in the Old Testament, over 21 times, the writers of Scripture who are influenced by God use azir to describe God himself and his actions towards people, that it's God who is the rescuer. It is God who saves. It is God who is powerful for people. When we live out Azir, that type of person in somebody else's life, we are living out the divine image that God has actually placed in all people. But for some reason, he puts the spotlight at the very beginning on the woman. And I think it's fantastic. There's something amazing about living out the divine image that God has given us. Whenever we live out azir for somebody else, when we are powerful for somebody, when we come alongside, when we live out the vocation of helping them in the most powerful ways, we care for them. And whenever we care for somebody, we communicate incredible value. And everyone has incredible value. We are in the middle of a series right now that we're calling Everyone. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about the fact that every single person we see is created 
in the divine image, in the Imago Dei, the image of God. God has instilled that in everybody. And so everybody that we see has incredible value. And from the very beginning, God sings this beautiful song of celebration over all of us. And he says, it is very good. And so a couple weeks ago, you got a homework assignment. I said, go out and celebrate somebody, small or big, because when you celebrate, you communicate incredible value. And then we talked about the fact that sometimes it's good just to hang out with people, maybe go on a little road trip, because when you spend time investing in somebody, you communicate amazing value to them. The scriptures call that equipping. And when we, when we come alongside and we help people learn how to follow Jesus, how to love God, and how to love others, it says you're valuable. And at Lakeside, we, we also want to be a place that, that cares for as many people as possible. And I just think it's fantastic that this is the day that we're also talking about moms because I don't know a more beautiful picture of care than when you watch a mom in action. And so this weekend in our culture, we sort of press the pause button and we stop and we, we spend some time focusing on something that according to the scriptures is worthy of honor. And that's our moms. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, of course, dads are thrown in there, but, but today it's, it, it's about the moms. I like what John Orberg, who is a pastor, an author, he's a speaker, I like what he says about this passage and about actually what the Bible does not say about honoring. He says, now just as a caution, the Bible does not say to honor your mother if they got it all right every time. He says, the Bible does not say honor your mother if they had dinner on the table and the house was clean and they looked pretty every single day. Actually, the Bible does not say that. He says, it doesn't say to honor your mother if she was a well-adjusted, skilled nurturer who was always able to bond fully without creating enmeshment or codependence, whose boundaries were always intact and yet flexible. No, it just, it just says honor, honor. And I want to acknowledge, John already did this morning, but I want to acknowledge that today can be a difficult day for, for many. Because last, between last Mother's Day and, and today, you lost your mom. Some of you have lost children. For some of you, the dream to be a mom has yet to be fulfilled. For some of you, there is this level of ambivalence when it comes to your mom. I mean, it's just messy. And some of you are just downright angry. And the relationship between you and your mom is painful. It's not, it's not good. I want to encourage you as well. The scripture doesn't say to honor your mom in such a way that you always have to agree with every little thing that she ever did or said. It doesn't say that you even have to obey every little thing that your mom has always told you to do her whole life. It just, it just says honor. Now, this word honor in, in the New Testament is interesting. There's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that says, you were bought with a price. 
And it's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross. Like, like you, you were bought with a price because you are valuable. You are worthy. You are precious. And actually, the word there that's translated price is the same word that we translate into honor in the New Testament. And so really, the whole idea of honor is to treat somebody as valuable, as costly, as, as precious. And this is what we as followers of Jesus are, are called to do. And this is what we're called to do for mom. And so let me just give you a few ways to consider today to treat mom and to treat one another as valuable, costly, and precious. The first is this. Honoring involves perspective. It involves perspective. When we dishonor somebody, we aren't interested in their opinion. We're not interested in their feelings. We don't want to see life through their perspective. We don't want to see things through their lenses. Have you ever had somebody sit across from you and you just know that you are not on the same page about something? You disagree. You see the world differently, maybe economically, maybe socially, maybe politically. Maybe you see faith or something like that just so differently than that other person. I mean, and you don't even really want to sit down and have coffee with them because there's such a difference and you know that it's going to turn into some sort of conflict, some sort of argument. When we honor somebody, we dial it back, we take a breath, and we seek to see the world through their eyes, through their lenses, through their, through their paradigm. That's an honoring thing to do. When I talk about reading, that's why I'm always saying, read people that are different than you. Read the blogs. Look at the, look at the people that are, that, that are doing things out in the world and try to find somebody that's different than you and say, man, I want to learn from somebody that's different. Sometimes as, as parents, we realize this uh, when we begin to channel our mom and dad. Have you ever done that? Like, like you say something to your kids and you say, I'm, I'm my mom. I turned into my mom. I, I can't believe it. That it actually happened. Or I turned into my dad. I can't believe it. Like you're telling your kids, hey, if you, if you keep making that face, it's just, your face is going to stay like that or something. Or, or if you don't finish that, that food, you're, you're just, you can't leave the table. My, my dad, used to, I used to sit at the table for hours and hours. And that's where my kids got it because we're always, we're always saying to our kids, have you eaten? Like, have you eaten anything? My two boys are like Ethiopian marathoners. I mean, they like, can you have negative body fat? Like, we're shoving food in them left and right. And sometimes I just look at them and I say, have you eaten? Ah. My mom is awesome now. See, all she cared about, it's still this day, all she cares about if I have eaten. That's all she cares about. Have you eaten? Have you eaten, son? You look terrible. You look like a freak. You look terrible. Do you need to get something to eat? I'm like, mom, I weigh 210. No, you look like a little, little freak circus boy. That's what you look like. Have you eaten? I remember one night, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was in high school. I came home too late. You know, it's dark. You never do that. You're sneaking in the house. It's just pitch black. So I go in the kitchen, you know, and I turn on the... Oh. No, garbage disposal. Why did they put that stupid garbage disposal thing right by the light? I was expecting a nice warm light. I get... Oh, she was on me like a panther. Where were you? I was worried sick. You could have gotten hurt. 
Have you eaten? Have you eaten? Sometimes we turn into our parents, man. We just, we start channeling things. But it's when we start to see the world through somebody else's perspective that we communicate the kind of honor that says, I care about you. When I used to put my kids to bed when they were little, I would always think of my mom because she's the one who tucked me in and prayed with me and told me the stories at night. When I would drive my kids when they were younger, they got a little bit older and they were in sports and activities and, and school and different things, and I'm driving them all around town, I would think of my mom. Because she's the one who loaded us up in the 1975 VW minibus and cruised us around town. I have sat next to my kids and they've been in incredible pain. And I've realized that there's nothing I can do to stop their pain except sit next to them. And when that happens, I think of my mom because she was the one who would sit next to me. Honoring involves perspective. And when we do that, it communicates care. Honoring also involves cheering on. It involves encouragement. To dishonor means to tear down or destroy, but the scripture tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. Last week I shared the scripture from Hebrews chapter 3 that says, encourage one another every single day as long as it's called today so that you will not fall to the deceitfulness or the deception of sin. You know, one of the ways that we can protect somebody I hear parents talk about this all the time. For 20 years in youth ministry, as a parent, talking to other parents, I have prayed this prayer myself. I have said, oh God, protect my children. One of the best ways that you can protect your children is just by encouraging them. Encouragement protects us from all this swirling stuff that's going on in our culture, in our world today, building them up. It's like, it's like this power thing that we can give our kids. And it's so easy to kind of see the negative or, or look at the critical in our parents or in our children or in somebody else. But when we breathe encouragement over somebody, when we cheer them on, there is a strength there. It reminds me of the time my, my older son was climbing this climbing wall in a mall and he's halfway up and he just sort of froze there. And there was this huge line of kids and parents, and they were all waiting, like, when is this kid going to get off the wall? He's just sitting there. And, and he had gone up several other times before on other occasions, and he always sort of froze in the same spot. And I had been reading this book about encouraging your kids, and, and this dad was encouraging his son to do something. So I thought, well, I'm just going to do the same exact thing. And even though I'm really introverted, I started to scream in the mall. I said, dude! You're a wild man. Look at you. That's amazing. Woo! And I'm starting to feel the heat and I'm sweating because I know everybody's looking at me and it's the worst environment imaginable for myself. And I'm just yelling at him. And, and he sort of takes a step and he takes another step and he climbs up. He rings this bell and he comes down and, and I cheer him on and, and we leave that area and we're walking through the mall and then he just sort of comes up to me and he goes, you said I was a wild man, Dad. And he just walks away. I'm like, yes, parent win. Thank you very much. The power of encouragement is incredible. And our moms need encouragement. So cheer her on. 
In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for honor is the word kavad. And kavad means uh, to be weighty, to be heavy, to be substantial. It's like, it's like when, you're, when you're just stopped dead in your tracks and you see something and you're just like, wow, that's, that's kavad. It's like when I stood on the edge of Victoria Falls, one of the seven natural wonders of the world, the largest falling sheet of water in the world, twice as high as Niagara Falls, and I'm right on the edge of it looking down because there's no ropes, there's no barriers, they just let you walk right up to the edge, and I'm getting soaked, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, that's Kavad, wow. It's like when I stood in the church, and I was about right here, and I looked back there, and then everybody stood up, and those doors opened, and I saw Holly coming down the aisle. Kavad. Moms, it's like when you leave your kiddos with your hubby for a little while, and you say, I just got to go out to the store for like 10 seconds. I'm just going to grab something, and I'm going to come right back. And the house is immaculate, and you open the door, and it's like a tornado category five just hit the place. And you're like, Kavad? What, what is it? what has happened here? It's this weight. It's this amazingness. And so I think you ought to just go find your mom or or maybe you, maybe you eye chat her or you call her and you just look at her and you stare and you just say, and she thinks, do you have a demon? Do we need to cast that out of you boy? Like what is going on here? No, but, and then you explain, man, you're amazing, mom. You are substantial. Wow. And this is the honor that, that God gives to motherhood. Honoring involves cheering on. When we stop and we take a moment and we simply, simply take the weight in of what it means to be a mom, it communicates incredible care. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Moms need grace. So cheer them on. Unfortunately, often still in our culture, I know it's 2018, but still in our culture, sometimes motherhood is is like looked at as not enough. One of my favorite authors back in the, uh, back in the 90s was Tony Campolo, and I, I, would, I would read his books, and he was a great speaker, and, and, and he was very well known around the world, and his wife Peggy is also a speaker and, and an author, but they used to travel together, and Peggy used to take care of the kids at home for a long time in, in their lives. There was this long phase where she, just, she was a stay-at-home mom, and so she would go to these parties with her husband, and they would kind of rub shoulders with leaders in different fields you know, around the world, and I remember listening to Tony talk at a conference one time, and he told the story of how at one of these kind of cocktail parties, this woman came up to Peggy, and kind of in a sort of a condescending way, she said, and what do you do, dear? And Tony read exactly what his wife said. Her response was, 
I am nurturing two homo sapiens into the dominant value of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments of the social transformation, preparing them for the eschatological utopia that God has envisioned from the very beginning of time. And what do you do, dear? (laughs) I think it's fantastic. Motherhood is kavad. It is heavy. It is weighty. It is substantial. So cheer mom on today. Finally, honoring involves simply being thankful. To dishonor means to not care, not to appreciate. It's, it's often expressed in an attitude of indifference or even self-absorption. And I know that, that for some of you today, that, that thankfulness piece is, is hard. You know, when we when we raise our kids and they're babies, they're little, and, and, and we have to do everything for them, and we're exhausted, and we're young, but the circles under our eyes say we have little ones. There's this joy, because we know we hold in our arms a bundle of potential. But on the other end of life, when we're with somebody in those last days, months, years, and it's difficult. And you have to do everything. It's hard to feel the joy, and it's hard to feel the potential. But I want to encourage you that in the whole scope of eternity, Through the lenses of God, if that's your mom, God sees tremendous potential because she's just getting started in the whole scope of eternity. And God feels joy as you care for her. For some of you, you've you've lost your mom, and I want to encourage you that... When you live out a life of loving God and loving others, you honor your mom because that's the life that everybody was designed to live. And that's what motherhood is about. Jesus was asked a question one time. And the question was, what's the most important thing in life? They said it this way, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, I'll give you two. The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Jesus says, that pretty much sums it all up. Do that and you're going to do good. When you live a life like that, you honor the person that is gone, the person that you have lost. And you continue to show the kind of love and care that you had for that person. And we want to be a place that cares for as many people as possible. Some of you today are hurting and you need some care. 
In fact, if you need some care, I, I would love for you to take the Connect card, and at some point, a little while later, some baskets are going to come around. Just write care. I mean, write your name and your information on there so we know who to contact, but ju- just write care. We have a whole bunch of care ministries at Lakeside, and we have fantastic people that lead these ministries. And some of these ministries are really focused on some really deep, painful things in life. And the people that are leading those ministries have walked the walk and they can talk the talk. And they've been through the valley and they've come to the other side. And they've said, let me go through the valley again because I want to help you go through the valley and get to the other side. We would love to connect with you and figure out how can we help? How can we care? What can we do? Because we want to be a place that cares for as many people as possible. We're not perfect at it, but we're going to swing at it every single day. Right after Jesus quotes that verse, he's quoting, he's quoting a verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's the most holy part of the Old Testament. Orthodox Jews today still quote that part of the scripture. It's called the Shema. And right after that, the writer in Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, when your children ask you why, when your children ask you what, what is the meaning of all of these laws and and these stipulations and all of this stuff, the, the writer says, tell them, and then they just break into a story. You were slaves in Egypt. God rescued you. He took you through the Red Sea. He did this. He did that. He, he just tells the story. And so today, for Mother's Day, I thought, for all you moms, I want to give you a little gift, and I just want to, I want to tell you a story. It's a children's story. It's a beautiful story. I wish it was around when my kids were little. It's called Someday. One day, I counted your fingers, and I kissed each one. One day, the first snowflakes fell, and I held you up and watched them melt on your baby skin. One day, we crossed the street, and you held my hand tight. Then you were my baby, and now you are my child. Sometimes when you sleep, I watch you dream, and I dream too. That someday you will dive into the cool, clear water of a lake. Someday you will walk into a deep wood. Someday your eyes will be filled with a joy so deep that they will shine. Someday you will run so fast and so far that your heart will feel like fire. And someday you will swing high, so high, higher than you've ever dared to swing. Someday you will hear something so sad that you will fold up with sorrow. Someday you will call a song to the wind and the wind will carry your song away. Someday I will stand on this porch and watch your arms waving to me 
until I no longer see you. Someday you will look at this house and wonder how something that feels so big can look so small. Someday you will feel a small weight against your strong back. Someday I will watch you brushing your child's hair. Someday, a long time from now, your own hair will glow silver in the sun. And when that day comes, love, you will remember me. And so tell the story. May we be a place that cares for as many people as possible. And today, go and love your mom. Amen? Amen.